What part of inform us if you have any changes in vision did you not understand, Mr. Morneau? That was the charming voice of the nurse, set against the irritating backdrop of Christmas music playing quietly over the sound system in the doctor's office. At our first appointment, Carla described her as blonde and pretty. If you're into that sort of thing, I think she's a little too Botoxed for Detroit. We'll go with that as a description, since I am unable to refute all or any part of it. The doctor was fidgety, based on his odd assortment of sounds, and prone to obsessively clicking his pen. He spoke with one of those accents. I'm not ashamed to say I associate with convenience stores and neighborhood bodegas. And he had a propensity for wearing too much hippie hempy man perfume. Translation. He smells like wet moss in Janis Joplin's armpits. Because Carla had to head back to Reed City to be at the clerk's office bright and early this morning, she enlisted mugs to drive me to my appointment with strict instructions to write down everything the doctor said, as well as get me home safely afterward. She'd kissed me and said goodbye at the curb in front of our building while Muggs's car idled noisily nearby. The taste of coffee and cinnamon from the sweet rolls she'd made me for breakfast lingered long after the sound of her car disappeared into the distance. Dr. Fusty was obviously awaiting a response to the nurse's question as she nudged me into a chair and reclined it back after I was comfortably seated. There hasn't been a change I still can't see. I heard a stool on wheels slide closer to me and the doctor placed a light hand on my shoulder. I settled into the funk of his proximity, the heady aroma taking another little piece of my lung capacity with his every movement. Flashes of light are considered change, Mr. Morneau. His fidgety aura disappeared as soon as his fingers touched my face, like a hummingbird abruptly stilled. That's not change I can believe in. <laughs> See what I did there with the Obama hopey changey feely horse shit? He had a finger above and below my left eye, and I assumed he was using a medical gadget to look inside. Obviously, I'm guessing. He could have been mouthing the lyrics to Freebird for all I know. The doctor's face was close to mine, and I could tell by the slight nasal whistle. Hey, nurse, is this covered under Obamacare? The doctor slid his stool around to the other side of my head, and his fingers landed gently above and below my other eye. Probably. But you've got Blue Cross Blue Shield, so why are you asking? Uh, just making conversation. You're not a very accommodating audience. I'll make a note of that in your chart. The macula in the right eye has detached slightly, and there's some scarring on the retina in the left eye that concerns me. I don't want to risk a detachment of the cord due to that left scleral buckle. Doc, I have no idea what you just said, but it sounded less than ideal. He said you're having more surgery. Ideally, as soon as possible. Muggs is a valuable person to have around in situations like this. 
By valuable, I mean he understands the lost art of shutting the hell up. And I'll go one further. Muggs not only understands the lost art of shutting the hell up, he also understands the lost, lost art of knowing when shutting the hell up might be in his immediate future, before the actual moment of needing to shut the hell up even occurs. And he plans for such eventualities. On the way to the meanwhile, a destination he took for granted without asking, he stopped to fill his tank, drove through the colonels, and got us a bucket of extra crispy, and swung by the post office to pick up a package. Translation, lots of cool down time for Dex Morneau, during which time Muggs uttered only these words. It'll work itself out, Dex. It wasn't until I had four Dortmunders under my belt that he spoke again. Carl is on the horn. Muggs slid the phone across the bar toward me. I put it to my ear and closed my eyes, ready for the onslaught. With Carla, there was always an onslaught. What say you, woman? Make it brief. I'm power drinking. Well, I have insinuated myself into an unsolved murder that possibly involves local police corruption. Oh, and did you know that there is a whole seedy underbelly of Drek that steals stuff from stores and then sells it on eBay? I've met some pretty interesting people today, Morno. Hey, how was your appointment? Peachy. What does that mean? The excitement in her voice faded, and I vainly hoped whatever new cause she'd decided to spearhead would melt away with it. Let's stick a pin in that for a sec and discuss this murder business. The part about police corruption is of particular interest if you're feeling inclined to prioritize your long-winded justification, which I assume will include a Moby Dixonian level of gnashing and wailing, if my general knowledge of your verbal M.O. is on point. I grabbed a beer mugs had set in front of me and took a long pull. Tell me, Morneau. Nothing happened. What's this about eBay? He's having more surgery. Gee, thanks, Muggs. I repositioned myself on a stool facing away from the bar. Forget about my goddamn eyes, Carla. Exactly what kind of trouble are you stirring up now? I heard her breathing quicken and could tell she was hurriedly doing something, probably shoving things into her purse and quick-stepping to wherever her car was parked while tucking her laptop under her arm. A whirling dervish of frenetic energy that fed off of itself and anything coming at her. But it was also her armor. More and more these days, I could tell she was feeling the weight. All right, I'm coming home. No, don't. I'm fine, Carla. Stay and do whatever you have to do. Did you get that heap of mortar and bricks you got fleeced on taken care of? Yep, they screwed me out of a couple more thousand, and I might have pissed off a few important city people, but we'll talk about that later. How are you getting home? Put mugs on the phone. Later, I would rewind the moment and wonder why this particular directive set me off. But as soon as she said it, all I felt was rage. Hot, pulsing, uncontrollable red rage. The result was a broken beer bottle, and another couple hunks chipped off my pride. Muggs handed me the bottle of scotch I demanded for my walk home after I took a swing at him with the fuckstick. A swing that was so completely devoid of direction, it took down a nearby coat rack and two stools. Also, I owe Muggs a new phone.
I decided to take the scenic route home, which amounted to a trip on foot that would take a lot longer than usual. The drunker I got, the less I was able to translate the auditory clues around me. Somewhere around Swig 7, I found myself leaning against the wall of what I thought was the empty food mart. I decided I'd take a rest. A few swigs later, napping seemed like a viable option. But what was left of my common sense suggested falling asleep in 20-degree weather wasn't ideal. Still, my aching legs weren't ready to relinquish the dream. Eventually, I clambered to my feet, my ass numb from sitting too long on the cold pavement. It took longer than it should have to find the cigar that always occupies the same spot in my coat pocket. A few more minutes I'll never get back past as I checked every pocket for a lighter and came up empty. Finally, I gave up, shoved the cigar back into my pocket and continued on brandishing my fuck stick ahead of me while singing the Jefferson's theme song at the top of my lungs. Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. A couple blocks later, a car slid up behind me at the curb as I was hastily watering the corner of a building I had yet to identify. Hey. Be in the car, old man. After I zipped up, I fuck-sticked my way toward the sound of her idling car, climbed in the passenger side, and launched the stick over my shoulder into the back seat. When's the surgery? Day after tomorrow. How'd you get here so fast? So fast? More know it's been about an hour and a half since we spoke. Add to that the 10 or 15 minute tirade that you had at the bar, according to Muggs. And you should have been home an hour ago, even taking into account your age and the need to piss every other block. When I got off the interstate, I called. You didn't answer, so I figured you were either passed out at home or passed out on Dexter Avenue somewhere. You're about as predictable as flannel in winter. What's wrong with flannel? I like flannel. So do I, Morno. Then why'd you say it like it was bad? <sighs> it's not the predictability that's bad, Morno. It's the tiresome object of your predilection. I'm not sure you've used that word appropriately, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because I'm drunk. Happily snappily pissed to the gills. That bottle went down as smooth as shaved pussy, and I don't like to mar that kind of hard-won bliss with unnecessary grammatical debates. Shut up, Morna, will you? Just shut the hell up. By the weight of the bottle and slackness of its slosh, it was easy to deduce that most of its contents were gone by the time we made it up the stairs. Didn't even realize how heavy I was breathing until I felt Carla leaning into me, foraging in my pockets for the keys. I sagged against the doorframe as she tugged them out and opened the door, pushing me inside ahead of her. I admit that when I dropped the bottle and spun crookedly to feel around for her fun parts, it might not have been my smoothest move, but it felt pretty fluid on my end. Stop it, Morno, move. What's wrong with you? You're not the one going under the knife again in two days. You're not telling me what's going on, that's what's wrong. You won't tell me how you feel, you won't tell me what the doctor said. Since everything went black for you, it's like you want me in the dark too. Like you're punishing me or something, I'm tired of it. 
Maybe my synapses weren't firing right, or maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, but I admit that I couldn't fully appreciate how we made it through that last conversational segue. I felt like there were five or six sentences I missed, so perhaps my response was lacking. Huh? I could feel how this was received, and it was not with open arms. I further deduced that any fun parts in residence uh, would be off-limits for the foreseeable future. That irritated me, mainly because the scotch was suggesting I was in the mood for some fun. I wanted on record that it was the scotch that took another stab at the fun, and to its credit, managed to make contact with her twin handfuls of glee before Carla elbowed me in the stomach. I doubled over and tripped into the recliner. Uh, that was uncalled for. I don't know what the hell the doctor said. I don't understand half the things that come out of his mouth. That's what Muggs was supposed to be there for. Muggs sat in the waiting room. He and I have this thing where we respect each other's personal space. He doesn't need to ask if I want him to come into the exam room with me, because he already knows the answer. The answer is, and will always be, a resounding no. I don't need a babysitter. I don't want him hovering. I don't want you hovering. But every goddamn time I try to tell you that, it only makes you hover more. It's like you're daring me to tell you to fuck off. Not everything's about you, Carla. Sometimes I feel like sharing, sometimes I don't. And I don't have the patience to justify my every word and action, or to constantly reassure you that I don't hate you and am not degrading you whenever I say or do something you don't like, or when I refuse to take part in the sharing and caring portion of your day. I hope that was empty. Yeah, well, I hope you develop an angry goiter. Stunned you silent, huh? I have to put down the previous sequence of events for future reference. Must have been a long pull. When she finally spoke, her voice was one octave deeper than normal and filled with the gassy echo often left behind by a gulp of beer. I'm preparing my rebuttal. Let's get this shit over with. I fell into the recliner and stretched out. Apparently, she took the gesture as me lobbing another grenade over the fence. Fuck you, Morno. It's not always about me. Are you serious right now? Because my overall impression of this thing that we've got going here, whatever it is, is that it's almost never about me. Unless you mean me managing your fucking bullshit, then it is all about me. You know what? My bad. I guess if you give something freely to someone who didn't do a goddamn thing to earn it, you run the risk of them not appreciating its fucking value. It has been years since you've been accountable to another human being, and during that time you have been free to come and go when you please, where you please, and how you please. You don't answer to anyone but the man in the mirror. So if the guy staring back at you is anything but abso-fucking-lutely delighted with his lot in life, then why don't you tell him to go fuck himself and quit taking shots at me? You are where you are because that's where you want to be, or you're too goddamn tired, lazy, or stubborn to do anything about it. And God forbid anyone tries to help you. They end up paying out the ass for simply giving a shit. How dare anyone give a shit about you, right? You don't give a shit about yourself. 
Why would you want that kind of attention? Well, do the world a fucking favor and axe the overindulgent self-pity bullshit. Nobody within whiffing distance gives a rat's ass how much you hate yourself. We're all too busy trying to stifle the urge to smack you upside the head at any given moment. soliloquy was as verbose as it was charming, but the allegorical content failed to take into account that the subject of your derision can't even see the goddamn mirror. I felt a burst of purple sadness mixed with anger radiating off her, and it shot toward me, causing my ears to buzz with an electric blue static tingle. Carla was usually yellow, so something was off. When the colors of your spirit are compromised, they bristle wildly in a harried assemblage of all the wrong hues, bouncing off reflections of colors that don't belong there in the first place. Morneau, you couldn't see before you went blind. Now you've just got an excuse to not even bother trying. It wasn't until I heard the door close behind her that I realized she was already gone. 